PDA stands for Public Display of Affection, in case you didn't know. So what are you comfortable with? You know, holding hands or a light kiss? How about a passionate kiss at sunset at the end of a pier somewhere in Florida? Or is that starting to get gag-worthy? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an intriguing podcast for you this week. This is episode number 137, and today we're going to be talking about PDA. So those are public displays of affection and the impact that this may have on your marriage. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed the fair division of labor in marriage, often a touchy topic. Have a listen and let us know how that's working in your marriage. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, even on topics you might not think people do research on. Mm -hmm. And we do all this with the purpose of reaching and helping as many marriages as possible. And today it's about PDA. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like our teenage daughter would gag if she knew what we were talking about today. Maybe. Yeah. But hey, (laughs) she's not here. (laughs) All right. So let's just kind of start out front on like the cultural side of things. So if PDA includes... Sexual behavior, that's an issue. Okay. Because we want to promote PDA because we want to promote affection because we're trying to help marriages. That's where we're going. Okay. Yeah. But this is not about sexual behavior in public. So let's just kind of start there. Okay. And ultimately it's about what each of you are comfortable with in many different contexts and how to work with that in your marriage. And we want to, we want you to maximize the amount of affection that you show and experience. Yeah. With your spouse. But there are. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) There are limits here, right? So there's a line crossed from a public display of affection to a public display of sexual behavior. Mm, Okay. And I think there's some clearly sexual behaviors, like touching your spouse's private parts in public with your hand is sexual. And that's, I would suggest, I think that's indecent in any public context. Right. That's not fair to the public around you. No, it's immodest. It's not respecting your spouse either. Okay. And... I think it's objectifying your spouse in front of others too, right? Uh-huh. I mean, think about intimacy, right? Intimacy is about vulnerability. Yeah. And the greater the vulnerability, the more safety you need. Right. And you can't offer safety for that level of vulnerability in public because you can't control all the people that might be observing. Oh, so okay. if it's not safe to be that vulnerable, it's not safe to be that intimate. That's okay. kind of my logic there. Right. Okay. But, you know, having said that, there's a gray area, right? For example, kissing. So in North America, a kiss goes all the way from a peck on the cheek. It's probably the most innocuous. Yeah. To a full-fledged French kiss where we have tongues playing tonsil hockey and so on, right? Yeah. And at this stage, you have to respect a couple things when we're talking about this, right? So the first I said is in North America. And I think that's the first thing is your culture. Yeah. So our podcast at the time of recording has been downloaded in 169 countries, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah. In some of them, a peck on the cheek might earn you jail time or at least attention from a policeman if it was seen. 
In others, if you don't actually greet your spouse with this, say you're you're reuniting with your spouse, you're coming off an airplane or yeah. something. If you don't greet your spouse with a kiss, your family's going to think like, oh, this marriage is like totally on the rocks. Right. Like we what's have a problem, here? Kirsten, right? Yeah. So keep the culture in mind. Okay. And so what's acceptable in your culture? Yeah. But it also does come back to sexuality. If your kissing is becoming sexual, then we go back to the previous cautionary note about respecting each other and respecting the people around you. At some point, you do go from affection to sexual behavior. Okay. Right? Yeah. As the Bible says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 23. It might be legal, but it may not be helpful to anyone. Right. Okay. And maybe even ways you realize not helpful to yourself. So just kind of those two general guidelines. Is it sexual? What does a culture allow as starting points? But so as we go through the research now, just keep in mind that from now on, we're making the assumption that we're talking about decent PDA. Okay. Not over the top yeah. sexual PDA. Yeah. And let's start on that note with relationship satisfaction, because really, again, we're about marriage, right, in this podcast. And we're going to look at then at two uh, factors affecting PDA inside each marriage, because this might be influences that you want to think about in your marriage, whether mm-hmm. they're play, as there will be influences in ours, and then how to find the balance. Because okay. often couples, sometimes they're not aligned with each other, and sometimes they're not aligned with, I don't know, expectations. It just, it bears review. <laughs> okay. <laughs> expectations about PDA. Well, Caleb, when we were first married, you were like a no PDA person. Right. And I'm still more conservative than you are. Yeah, you would be. Okay, no let's com- move no on. Comments. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about PDA and relationship satisfaction. So the research shows that both private and public physical affection increases relationship satisfaction. Okay, here's a couple studies. One from 2011 learned that women experience higher relationship satisfaction, relationship commitment, and feelings of intimacy when private and public displays of affection were part of their marriage. Okay, makes sense. Most Agreed. Cu- agreed. Most mm-hmm. couples believe that physical touch is a good thing. Agreed. And that's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to everyone. Okay. Necessarily. And I mean public physical touch. Okay. But research has shown that individuals believe physical affection to serve a causal role in enhancing the romantic relationships. So it warms things up when you're physically affectionate with each other. Okay. I agreed. And it's also something you use as what researchers call a maintenance behavior, which is it just helps keep things warm in the marriage. Okay. So this isn't just kind of something researchers notice. Like couples are doing this and they figure this out, as many of our listeners will have, right? Mm-hmm. And again, another study from 2003 found the same, that all types of physical affection were correlated with high satisfaction with the relationship and with the spouse. But they also found that physical affection improves conflict resolution, which is pretty cool. So while it had no effect on the frequency of conflict in the relationship, higher rates of cuddling and holding and kissing, private and public, were linked with greater ease of conflict resolution. Really? That's interesting. It's pretty cool. I think it ties back to the warmth in the marriage, right? So when you have good things going on, it's faster and easier to solve the difficult things that do arise. Right. Okay. And again, but it said what I've, it's reiterating what I've said elsewhere, which is this is not about the quantity of conflict. We're talking about solving the conflict as being the most important part. Right. Like result. Yeah. So a later study from the same researchers then showed other benefits to physical affection, including stress relief, decreased blood pressure, decreased anxiety and aggression, reduced sexual dysfunction, hmm. which Those is all are cool. huge benefits. Yeah. 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 <gasps> And the mechanism here is important too. So there's affection for affection's sake. But touch also has a huge supportive component because life is rarely just a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. You know, difficult things happen. And we all have big challenges that we're facing fairly constantly. And physical touch helps spouses feel supported and it reduces feelings of distress. 
It really Hmm. helps in a very practical day-to-day way. And I love how this is just like physical touch. It's not like a sexual thing even. No. Like just a hand on your back or whatever, holding hands or... It can be something simple, right? Yeah. And it's supportive even if the receiving spouse did not ask for support. And... And they may not even perceive the touch as an attempt to comfort them. It seems like there's this unconscious thing that couples do to support each other. And it's a really good thing. It, mm-hmm. it just helps. So it helps for supportive, like when times are difficult, as well as helping with marriage satisfaction. Okay. Now, you know, having said that, there's often, you know, differences again between couples, which is where we're going next. Difference inside of a couple between spouses, I should okay. say. And if you become a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People Today You'll not only be helping us continue and expand our mission to help marriages, but you'll also get a great worksheet for today's episode. Again, so this is a specific worksheet for this episode. It takes our listeners through a conversation about PDA so that you both know where you're at. And it's really important that you have this conversation so that you're comfortable with each other in public. Because it's hard, like you might be, if your spouse has a different level of comfort with PDA than you do, and they, so they reject an an advance, if I can call it that. Mm-hmm. You may take like that rejection. Well, you may t- and see that's exactly my point. <laughs> you may take that personally, mm-hmm. but it may actually just be more about their comfort levels. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to internalize it or take it personally. <laughs> right. So you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick sixty-second break to talk about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about benefits of PDA and how it really does have a positive impact on your marriage satisfaction. There's just so many good things about touch. There are. Like and this is not even getting into, yeah, into oxytocin and what mm-hmm. the brain does with touch and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But we got to deal with this issue because couples might be feeling a little tension because one spouse is more comfortable than the other. Hmm. So what... We wouldn't know anything about this. <laughs> What impacts our different (laughs) comfort levels, right? So we already mentioned culture in the sense of what culture do you both reside in? But what about differences in culture between you? If your marriage is cross-cultural, what culturally informed expectations do you bring? Or even let's say your parents' marriage is cross-cultural. What is, you know, what your mom said about affection might be different than what your dad. So whose voice is louder for you? Mm, Okay. Okay. So these come in. But there's also, Verlinda, there's a difference in gender. Okay. Men tend to initiate more PDA than women. Okay. Now, higher rates of male-initiated PDA was found in younger or non-married couples, and higher rates of female-initiated PDA was found in older and married couples. 
Mm. So it's kind of nuances. The mm-hmm. other research to say, you know what, men do more than women, but as the marriage gets older or more long-term, females, the wives might be doing it more. Hmm. Initiating, right? Okay. Just an observation. Males tend to prefer putting their arm around their spouse, while females prefer to link arms, hands. I saw that we, I had a very feministic sociology teacher. Okay. In university. And in one of our textbooks, there was this picture of a couple sitting together chatting in a living room. And the man, you know, had his legs kind of spread out and his arm around the woman and she was sitting quite close beside him. Right. And they were saying how this was like a, a domination thing, how he was allowed to be big and she had to be like a subservient, whatever, beside him. But I don't think that that's true necessarily. I mean, maybe in some things it's a male macho, whatever, but sometimes it's just so nice to be cozied up under your arm. Because if I put my arm around you, like you're taller than me and it doesn't work. Right. But it's nice to be like cozied up under your arm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. I, li- <laughs> I just kind of hijacked that. I like having you cozied up under my arm. Yeah. Um, so the researchers also noticed that for younger or unmarried males, physical touch and PDA were seen as courting behavior. Whereas okay. for women in secure relationships, it's more about feeling connected to the person you've already successfully courted. Mm, so they're okay. using they're using PDA with different intentions in different contexts. Yeah, yeah. Men, so a guy might get married and the PDA drops off because he no longer feels the need to court her. Aw. So, well, just kind of park that issue aside for a second. Okay, okay. okay. But this is what's going on. And like... A young man might reach for his girlfriend's hand in public. This is how I interpreted this. He might reach for his girlfriend's hand in public because he wants to make a statement that she's taken. And I don't want to make her sound like property or like he's got a mark stuff. I don't want to promote any of that ideology at all. But I'm just saying that that happens. And once she's wearing a wedding ring, he might subconsciously shift away because he feels safer. Huh. Okay. So He feels more secure. Yes. Okay. Now, again, without sort of going down that road and even with what your sociology professor said, which might have some valid concerns to it, right? My point is, what about continuing the same PDA that you had during courtship just for the joy of touching Mm -hmm. and for the enjoyment of affection? Yeah. Right? And it's a nice little reminder. Like, it's a nonverbal, I love you. Like, hey. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you. I enjoy you. Yeah. Even just touching pinky fingers, you know? Yes. It's like, oh, he's right there. Yes. So, but as far as the conversation, I think what I'm driving at here is like, when you have a conversation with this, with your spouse, yeah, there might be differences because of gender and how gender relates to culture. Aside from just differences in personality, like some people are more okay. touchy-feely than others. Yes, yes. So there might be, I mean, you might even have role reversal here where you might have a, a wife who does not prefer much physical touch and a husband who does. Right. But just keep gender in mind as well. Okay. Another issue that comes up, which is interesting, is perceived marginalization. I hadn't thought of this, but it makes perfect sense. If you feel that people would disapprove of your relationship for any reason, you're less likely to engage in PDA. This was found, for example, in interracial couples. Okay. And is thought to extend to any couple who perceive themselves as marginalized or think that others would disapprove of their relationship. Interesting. Another example is even if you think your church doesn't approve of your relationship, maybe you've remarried after a divorce or something like that, or somehow your family, for whatever reason, they don't approve of your marriage. That's Mm -hmm. going to impact your PDA in those contexts. Okay. Right. So just talk about how marginalization and the sense of that plays a role in your marriage, if that's possible or present for either or both of you. Okay. 
There's parental effects, of course. So young women whose parents had divorced were found to be more uncomfortable viewing PDA than women whose parents were still together. Why? Hard to say, but it does suggest that your attitude towards PDA is informed by what you saw when you were being raised. If you saw your parents engaging in PDA as a child, you will likely be less uncomfortable, more comfortable with it now. Yeah. Like this changes so much though, because my parents would hold hands when they go for a walk. And in high school, like the other girls would be like, oh, it's so cute. I saw your parents holding hands and I would like want to crawl under my desk. I was so embarrassed. It's like standard teenage mortification. Yes. Yes. But now it's like, oh, look, they're holding hands. That's so cute. Or you see an old couple and it's, yeah. oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, so parental effects, I would say, come into play like once you're married and a little bit older or you don't even have to be married, but yeah, you, you can know, but handle the fact that, that your parents appreciate each other. Yeah. But through that teenage <laughs> is just way too gross to think about. And then there's uh, danger arousal. What is that? Actually, this one's really interesting. Did you know that sexual arousal and physiological arousal in response to danger are sometimes hard to differentiate? They can touch the same part of the brain. Okay. So sexual activity in public may seem more sexually arousing because of the increased danger it presents. So it's Ooh, risque, uh-huh. therefore it's a little more hot and spicy. Okay. So if you look at our two, this is a quote from the researchers here. If you look at our two core instincts, survival and reproduction, then you can split arousal into two categories, danger arousal, which, a, which is a call to arms or to action, and sexual arousal, which is a call to reproduce. This is an mm. evolutionary perspective, which I don't support, but just follow how the brain functions here. They're saying this is two sides of the same coin, but the brain doesn't always know the difference and can easily confuse the two which I agree is a possibility. Okay. For example, like most sort of highly dangerous movies, like where, they, where the script plays through a very dangerous scenario, yeah. the couple end up kissing at the end. Right, and it's very passionate. Somehow they survive. And like 24 hours ago, they didn't even know who each other were and now right. they're like getting married, right? Right. And the reason why that appeals to people is because there is this thing and it's been also been shown, like for example, that, that perceptions of beauty go up when danger is felt. Hmm, really? Yes. Huh. So That's kind of funny. you can kind of put all this together, right? The risk and enjoyment of PDA could combine making things hotter. Okay. Because you get the risk piece, the danger piece, and the enjoyment piece, right? Yeah. And it may lead to extreme PDA or sexual behavior in public. It's arousing, but it's probably something you actually want to watch out for. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So the question is, what's the right amount of PDA for you? And this gets interesting for a marriage therapist like myself, because if there's an imbalance in the couple... Mm-hmm. And the desire for PDA, you can get into a pursuing distancing cycle that mm-hmm. can end up being harmful for the relationship. So have you seen this? Like this imbalance of PDA? That is a good question. I've seen the cycle, but on, on other issues. So this was a new one for me to think that it could come through for PDA. Okay. But okay. it does make sense. Okay. So for example, if one spouse is pursuing, like is going for physical public displays touch. of affection, physical yeah. touch, in order to feel connected... Maybe they're in public, they want to feel safer, they want to feel closer, I don't know what's going on. And the other's withdrawing in order to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then that comes as a feedback signal to the first spouse that there's some rejection going on, which means they're going to pursue stronger. (laughs) And the other one is really going to be pushed out of their comfort zone, so they're going to pull back more, and boom, you have a negative cycle. Okay, Caleb, maybe you haven't actually like had a couple come to you with this, but I think we've lived this. Just saying. Where? Like when we were first married, I was like all about PDA and you yeah. were like all about no PDA. Right. Yeah. And then I would be like so rejected because you wouldn't even give me a kiss. Right. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. So what's the solution, Mrs. Simone, you know? Well, I've learned, I had to learn that you still love me even if you wouldn't kiss me in public. Right. 
And I think but I, you have kind of come the other way too, where you, you've realized it's okay to touch. Yes. I mean, appropriately in public. in public. Yes. And so I think that's kind of your answer then, right? Is But we is, had to figure out what the other person was comfortable with. Yep. Well, I had to push my comfort yeah. more for my side, right? Yeah. And realize that like you weren't asking me to do anything crazy in public. No. So it was a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I had to challenge myself. Yeah. But on your side, you had to realize you didn't need to internalize this as rejection. I know. But that's like... I, we don't need to tell everybody about this, but I, I just go there so fast. That's normal. Is it? It is. It's normal for everybody. Like even for me, if something goes wrong in a marriage, we're kind of getting sidetracked a little bit here, but if something yeah, goes wrong in your marriage, you have to work hard to, to stay connected with what might be happening and open to what might be happening in your spouse's world that has nothing to do with you. Right. But it's just something going on for them. That's differentiation. Rather than going to... R- I've been rejected. There's something wrong with me. I just got rejected. Oh, yeah. For some reason, like we default to that kind of selfish pattern, right? Where it must be about me somehow, even <laughs> if it's bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. Okay. But anyways, in this in this kind of negative cycle, you end up pursuing your own needs at the expense of your spouse. Like rather, whether you're trying to become comfortable, so you're withdrawing. Yeah. Or do you want the connections you're pursuing, but it's all about pursuing you. Harder. Yeah. Oh. Rather than extending safety and connection and acceptance, right? So it's yeah. no longer, you're no longer really, if you stop and think about it, you're no longer acting for the benefit of the relationship. It's only your own benefit that you're pursuing. Oh. Yeah. I don't really like to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. And so I think at the end of the day, it comes back to having a conversation. Mm-hmm which is acknowledging the unacknowledged. So what are the rules that you have formed based on your own expectations? What are the cultural values? Yeah, because if your spouse doesn't know the rules, like it's hard to play the game. That's true. Or maybe they don't like the rules, but I mean, you can at least know if there are rules, you can talk about rules. Right. The unwritten. And decide what you guys want to do about them. Okay. There's cultural values kind of related to the rules issue and their impact on your comfort levels around PDA. Mm-hmm. And there's perceptions that you have about how others see your PDA as a couple. That comes into play here too. Okay. And then you also have your marriage cycle going on, which you can talk about too. And I'll, you know, we've got to talk through these things because they matter, right? They're a play. This is all happening. Yeah. But I think it's also talking about what you like or dislike. And it's just saying things like, I like it when you hold my hand in the mall. It's yeah. saying things like, I like it when you kiss me like that, but not in public. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. Or when you're out in public, you can respond to PDA by giving nonverbal cues like, you know, purring or whatever your little kind of noise is that you appreciate something or using yeah. body language that conveys relaxation or appreciation. Or, you know, if, if we don't appreciate, we kind of do the stiff thing. like. Uh, <laughs> yes. Or just back off a little. I'm aboard. Is that sending a clear <laughs> signal? So for PDAs, you want balance, right? But in all kinds of affection, public and private, you want to develop this as a skill in your marriage. So Mm -hmm. we believe that more affection is better. Mm -hmm. It may mean more hand-holding publicly, but it it doesn't mean that either of you should be pushed towards more inappropriateness. Mm -hmm. Or discomfort. Well, it may be towards discomfort. But oh. is it is this a healthy discomfort and you need to challenge yourself or is this a discomfort because you are actually running into a, you know, a genuine social problem or something okay. like that, right? Okay. Because it is inappropriate. Yeah. Or is it appropriate, but you're uncomfortable? That's where mm. I got challenged, right? Okay. But, you know, and of course, privately, there's really no social limits for the couple as to what your affection looks like. Okay. Privately. Yeah. Yep. 
In all of this, though, affection is this powerful resiliency factor for keeping you together in the face of conflict, in the middle of stressful life situations. It's good for your health. Mm-hmm. So more is better. Mm-hmm. So how much PDA is okay? That was our question. What's the answer? More? Oh, yeah. But more I'd of the say, right kind. Yeah, more of the right kind. But I think that's going to look different for every couple. Right. Like we can't dictate. Right. As much as I'd like to, because I'm all about like laying out. Oh, you'd make a fantastic dictator. <laughs> yeah, okay. That may, was that a compliment? Yeah, that didn't come out right, honey. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's wrap it up then. Okay. So we'd like to thank Patricia for becoming a patron since our last recording. We do appreciate you coming on board with monthly support. And again, along with all of our patrons that are listening today, we appreciate you guys so much for supporting our podcast from month to month so that we can keep reaching and influencing marriages. Yeah. I think actually on, uh, what's today, third Friday? Yeah, know. today's Friday. Wednesday, I think we had a record day of downloads, 2,800 downloads in one day. Oh, wow. Which is outstanding. That's cool. We want to also shout out a huge thank you to Cass Fobbs, who left us a review on iTunes since we last recorded. It says, great practical stuff, five stars. This podcast is approachable, grounded in reality, and biblically based. It's easy to listen to and totally digestible in each episode. I think any married couple can find great value in what you shared in this podcast. So that's cool. Yeah. Thanks for leaving that review. We appreciate Mm. it. So I wonder who's grounded in reality versus approachable. I think we shouldn't go there. Thanks, Cass Fobbs. Speaking of not going there. (laughs) Next week, we're talking about how to improve your marriage without dredging up the past. Is that even possible? Uh huh. Find out next week. Are you not even going to give us like a little bit of a hint? No, it's a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 137. Find out how you can help this podcast. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever. Yes. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that rooster, (laughs) Jason. (laughs) We're recording in New Brunswick today and they have a rooster here. So the rooster is now on our podcast. (laughs) The rooster is going to die (laughs) shortly.